Sometimes you don't know what's in you until you take a stab at it, right? You got to take a stab at it. All right, please stand and we're going to just uh, read, read a word, the word of the Lord today. And, and I'm going to uh, continue talking about stewardship, okay? Um, I want to talk to you about stewardship qualifications. Stewardship qualifications. I want to begin in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 to 51. So if you have a, a device or you have your Bible, if you don't, I think they do have it on the screen for us. And uh, coming from the NIV version, and we're going to read this uh, passage together, okay? Matthew 24, verse 36 to 51. These are the words of Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples. He says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. It was in the last days of Noah, so it will be that at the coming of the Son of Man, For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding in the hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore... Keep watch. Can you say that with me? Keep watch. Because you do not know what, the, what day the Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known what time uh, of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch. And would not have left his house to be broken into. So you must also be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect. So, verse 35, who then is, faith, is a faithful and wise servant who has, uh, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It would be good for that servant whose master finds him doing. Isn't that interesting in worship today that we need to be active? Yes. Right? Isn't that what you said? Yes. Action. Doing that the master finds them doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he has begun, he begins to beat his servants and to eat and to drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on that on a day when he does not expect him and an hour when he is not aware of. And verse 51 says, he will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites and where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here ends the reading of the scripture. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, opportunity to hear your word. Thank you for being here, Lord, where you can lift up your name in worship and praise because, Lord, you are... God alone. So, Father, as we listen and hear what you have to say to us from your word, we open our hearts and our ears to hear. Thank you for clarity of thought. Thank you for the anointing, Father. We thank you because, God, without the anointing, nothing will happen. So, Father, breathe on us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. Stewardship qualifications. Uh, One of the reasons why we are we are working in the area of stewardship, it's because it's very important to know that when God gives us all good things, that he expects us to manage it well. That the life that we have is not something we have earned. The life that I have, I haven't earned it. Uh, I've been blessed with it. The possessions that I have, Though I went out and I did work, and I do work, yet without strength from God, I would not be able to do the work that I do. So that every morning, when you get up in the morning, you are breathing the breath that God has given to you. And so the scripture tells us, and so true that David said, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Let everything that is breathing praise the Lord. Why? Because it is his breath. 
It is his breath that is, that is in my lungs that I breathe. And so therefore, everything I own and everything I have in my possessions and who I am in my entire being belongs to him. Therefore, my response to that is, God, how would you have me use everything that I am and everything that you've given to me to bless others and to glorify your name? The objective of the Christian faith is not to see how much God can give us to hold it. It's to see what God can get done through us. Yes. Boys, do I get any? You OK? Yes. It, it's not it's not up to, it's not me for to just be what I call the consumer of spiritual things, but to be a conduit of all that he has given to me. So that when people are around us, whether they be believers, unbelievers, yet we are continually saying, God, I want you to pour out whatever you have invested in me to be a blessing to them. So now it works against the grain of culture. It works against the grain of culture, right? Just that statement alone works against the whole grain of culture because the culture will say that you deserve everything you get and hold it tightly because you really don't know how much more you're going to get. And you got to be careful who you give it to because there might not be any more for yourself. But if you understand God, God is a giver, that God is one who gives to us and because we have received it, we can freely and should give it. Because the Bible said it's more blessed to give than to re- Are you here with me today? Are you all right? I don't know if you're listening to me or not. You say, uh, you know, you got to kind of talk back to me. I, I get a little nervous. It, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's important to understand that the Christian faith is about giving. The bottom line, God so loved the world, John 3, 16. That he gave. God loves and he showed us his love by giving. Right. So when we think about stewardship, we are possessors of all things, but owners of nothing. And because I don't own anything, I have to steward it properly, manage it properly. So when we're talking about stewardship, we're not only just talking about it in the area of money, but Everything that we have should be stewarded well. I, I appreciate um, the, the announcement that Lauren made this morning um, about the necessary things that we need to do to save the lives of young people because it's really about stewardship. I mean, imagine a generation wiped out. Imagine, imagine there's, there's no one to carry on your legacy. There's no one to carry on anything because of... Addiction has wiped out that told that generation or there's so much disease that they cannot perform well. It will affect the workforce. It will affect the economy. It will affect every area of society because we don't have healthy children. Uh, Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why in school, our, our children have to learn. Our children have to learn and be disciplined to do the best and perform the way they should perform because if they do not do that and learn that, how are they going to be functional and to be uh, uh, what I call citizens who really contribute to society? Yes. So the church has a very significant role. Our faith has a very significant role in raising up healthy people. We have a critical role. Now, they may, not, they may say, well, faith doesn't really matter. But I tell you, Without faith, you really don't have the hope you need for a society that's going in the opposite direction that has no hope. So stewardship is really very practical, but very important. Tell your neighbor, it's very practical, very important. But sometimes, how many of you know we miss practical stuff? Do, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I, I used to go back and I wondered, and I, I, and I used to just think about um, being a, a, a first grader. I still remember my first grade teacher. Her name is Mrs. Johnson. Now, she's probably gone on, some, you know, but, but I remember my first grade teacher. Because my first grade teacher would always instruct us, anytime we wanted to go somewhere, you had to get in line. 
You had to get in line. You had to wait your turn, or you had to be, be a person to understand that there were people around you. Now, if you've grown out of that principle, you're going to have problems. Let's say amen. Because there, there are some people that don't understand that you've got to wait your turn sometimes. You know, if you have driven on the highway, not saying you, but just somebody out there. That when you come into a rotary and you see a yield sign, the yield doesn't mean beat the person into the rotary so that you can cut them off and get on your way. It means that you yield, meaning you allow the person to go in front of you because you are supposed to be in line. But people don't, 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 don't do that. They, they forget their first grade principle. And so what I'm saying to you today may, found, may sound like it's very elementary, but it's very important because I'm telling you how the kingdom operates. The kingdom operates very simple principles. Jesus didn't make it complex. A, a sixth grader can understand the principles of Jesus. So here it is. It talks about what it means to be a wise and a faithful servant. And so Jesus is answering a question. The question comes from his disciples. So Jesus, tell us something. Um, You talk about this whole idea that you're going to the cross, you're going to be resurrected, you're going to go into heaven to ascend. When, When are you coming back? Or are you coming back? And he says, I'm coming back, but I'm not going to tell you the exact time or day. You just got to be ready. You just got to be ready. You just, I'm not going to tell you when, but I'm going to tell you that I'm coming. And you're supposed to live in a way of expectation of my coming, even though you don't know the day. Have you ever had a, knew that a package was going to be delivered to your house? This is before we had Internet notifications. All right. Pre-internet notifications. I remember waiting for packages to get to my house. I didn't know when it was going to come. I just had an idea when it was going to come. And so I would just try to wait and listen more intently if the doorbell rang. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're waiting for something that you really need. So you're kind of really out there. And if you're not at home and someone else has said, you know what, I got a package being delivered you need to have a signature on it, and so don't miss the mailman. Because if I miss that check, that's coming. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. See, when I said check, you said, oh, yes, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> if, I, if I miss that check that's coming, um, it, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. So you do everything you can do to make sure that you don't miss it. And so the Christian faith, as we, as we are believing God, we are to always live in a state where we are ready at any time. Right. It's amazing now that even the church has to be ready for evil to take place at any time. Yeah. They're telling now that we need to guard our houses, guard our places of worship, guard our, our families. You can't walk in a store anymore and just kind of be nonchalant shopping. You at least need to know how to get out of the place if you've got to get out of there. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, I look around. Where's the exit sign? How do I get out of here if I need to get out of here? You, 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 can't, you can't just live your Christian life anymore nonchalantly because something that you need to be aware of is going to, can take place at any time. And Jesus said, I can appear at any time. And he said, in fact... Um, people is going to be like the days of Noah. People are just going to be going about their own business just like every day. It's not going to be a cloudy day necessarily or a sunny day. They're going to be, just be, they're going to be on the T. They're going to be in the 23 bus. They're going, they're going to be going at work. At car. They're going to be in Starbucks. They're going to be in Dunkin' Donuts. They're, go, they're going to be at home watching the news. They're going to be in airports. Some are going to be on airplanes. And Jesus will come just like that. And could it be this generation? Could it be? Now you may say, well, we heard that 2,000 years. 
But now you're seeing the signs are getting much more intense. So now you're hearing earthquakes happen in diverse places. You're hearing now volcanoes bubbling up in places that never had volcanoes like that before. You're, hear, you're hearing what they, what they call, all right, we're having global warming. Do you think that's an accident? He tells you these are going to happen prophetically. And so how does the believer respond when it comes to stewardship in these times? So Jesus says, okay, here's what I want to tell you. It's important that you understand this phrase. Let me read it from another passage, okay? This passage comes from the the Passion Translation. Verse 45, he says, who is the one qualified to oversee his master's house? Do you ask the question? Who am I going to leave in charge of all that I have? Who's the one that I'm going to leave in charge? He says, he, who is, he will be a reliable servant who is wise and faithful, one who can be depended on. The master will want to give him responsibility for overseeing others in his house, for, the, for his servant would lead, lead them well and give them food at the right time. What a joy and blessing will come to the faithful servant when the master comes to find him serving, and he says, serving with excellence. Can you say excellence? Serving with excellence. I can promise you the master will raise him up and put him in charge of all he owns. In other words, stewardship is demanded of us to do it excellently because God has more. Do you know God has more? Yes. You, don't, you don't believe he has more, do you? Yes. God, God has more and he wants to give you more, but he can't give you more if you're not doing excellently with what you have. Yes. Amen. The precursor is that you're a good steward with what he has given to you that leads you to the promotion of being able to handle something bigger. So while we want great things, we must be great stewards. So here it is. He says, the master will raise him up and put him in charge of all he owns. But, said, but the evil servant says in his heart, the master delays his coming. And who knows when he will return? And because of the delay, the masters mistreat those in the master's household instead of caring for the ones he has appointed to serve. He abuses the other servants and gives himself over to eating and drinking with the drunkards. Let me tell you what will happen to him. He says his master will suddenly return at a time that surprises him. Have you ever been surprised by somebody coming in a room? Ooh! (laughs) It's somebody, somebody, and it wasn't a thief, it wasn't a robber, it was your sister. It was the person who lives with you all the time. But they startled you. It's amazing that people who know Jesus are going to be startled. Oh, my goodness. You're here? Because he's, he's going to come at a time when you are not aware. Maybe. So he says, the master will return suddenly at a time that surprises him, and he will remove the abusive selfish servant from his position of trust and the master will cut him in two notice what he said the master will do it not the devil do you know jesus will cut people up it's in the book it's in the book well you know this is not friend this is when you read these texts it's not a friendly message it's not friendly everything that jesus does is not friendly because he's just So if I mistreat the servants in the house and I don't expect there's going to be any accountability, I'm going to be torn asunder. Because as a steward, I'm responsible to steward it in a way that he would have me do it. So the master will cut him in two. 
There's going to be great sorrow along with other pretenders and unbelievers. It's interesting that this passage is not written for unbelievers. It's not. It's not written to the unsaved people. It's written to save people. That he will cast me with unbelievers because I don't practice good stewardship. Wow. We don't read these passages, do we? But they're, but they're in there. This is, this is not... This is not Anybody's, these are Jesus' words. So I'm taking these seriously about stewardship because I've come too far to be cast out with unbelievers. You Come on now. I've been in church too long to be with unbelievers. I've been trying to serve God too long to be cast out at this point in my life. I want to be with the saints, with the, with the righteous. I want to be people who have the victory. How about you? I, I know that God has done too much in my life not for me to pursue the victory that he has for me. And so you as a believer, God says through the, through the scriptures and Jesus' words, he doesn't want you to be cast with unbelievers. He wants you to be among the saints, among the righteous. And he has more for you. That's why he's telling us what we should not do. Thank God for his word. Amen. So let me go into just this simple thing and principles about stewardship. When he talks about this whole in verse 45, he asks the question, who is the one qualified? Who is the one qualified? That there are qualifications for stewardship. Uh, often what happens in Christendom, we think that because a person is saved, that qualifies them for everything. And it does not. Qualifications come as a result of my maturity, my competence, my faithfulness. Do do you hear what I'm saying? And so imagine that you needed surgery, a very critical surgery. And you're on the table and they're ready to put you under. And you overhear a conversation between the doctors and say, so, you know what, I, I, I'm, I, you know what, last semester was hard. I didn't graduate. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't graduate. I, 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 I failed. I failed biology. I failed, I failed it. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't, you know. Something happened where I missed a few questions. I missed a few questions, and I, and I didn't get my license. And, and you're on the table. You're overhearing this. How many know some anesthesia don't knock you all the way out? <laughs> it, don't, it don't knock you all the way out. And you're hearing, you're hearing the conversation and people start laughing. Oh, but you know what? I didn't pass my exam either. I'm going to take a makeup next Thursday. You, went, you, you start to go, wait, wait a minute now. How in the world do I get off this table? Because these people ain't qualified to work on me. So, so in these qualifiers... God wants us to be qualified to work as stewards. Just like you cannot be a CPA just because you carry a card that you got from Vistaprint. You know you can put anything on your card from Vistaprint, you know. You know, you, you don't have, you don't have, they don't ask you about your credentials. They don't say, are you really a CPA? They just ask, okay, punch your number in there. What credit card you going to use? PayPal, what you going to use? I can put anything at the bottom of my business card. But that don't mean that's, that qualifies me. Well, I, go, I, I go to church. That don't qualify you for nothing. No. No. He said, who is qualified? And he gives us the answers. Thank God God has answers for it. Oh, my God. I... I, I I would, I would really be nervous if he just left me out there. Who was qualified? Because I said, well, I sure ain't. But he gives us some answers of how to be qualified. So the first thing he says when it comes to stewardship qualifies, he, the first one is reliable. Somebody say reliable. Say it louder. Reliable. Reliability is trustworthiness. It's something that performs consistently. Reliability is something you can measure. You can measure reliability. 
You can. I, I was I was at I was I went to my physical, and um, it was funny. It, it took place right after the block party. So the block party they have, you know, the folks out there and they're taking your blood pressure and all that kind of stuff. And they gave me the numbers. So of course, as procedure goes, you go to your physical. What do they do? They take your blood pressure and, you know. And so the nurse practitioner comes out, and she takes my blood pressure. She had the, the electronic cuff on me, the digital. And she takes the numbers. She says, ooh, you got high blood pressure. I said, no, I don't. <laughs> Am I crazy or what? I said, she said, no, you got, ooh, your pressure is high. I said, no, it's not. I said, um, take it again. She takes it again, and another number comes out. Oh, your pressure is low. I said, no, it's not. I had my numbers. I know what my numbers were. So she's fooling around with this, the pressure cuff, and she's fooling around with the thing, and she realizes that the calibration is off. She brings in another one, and she gets my blood pressure, and it was exactly what the doctor said out here when I got my blood pressure taken. Could you imagine if I said, ooh, I have high blood pressure? What are you going to do? We're going to give you these pills. But I understand that when I saw what she said to me, I said, that is not reliable information. Because you can measure that. You can measure reliability by attendance. As an educator, I can remeasure, I, I measure the reliability by, I teach classes. I teach with my sister. You got to attend four classes. There are people that will come up after the classes are over and they miss a class. I instruct them, you have to come to all four classes and stay all the hours that you're commanded to stay to get the, the certificate. And do you realize that people, somehow they doubt my word. <laughs> They're disbelievers. Until the end. Until the end. Then you start calling the names and calling the names. Oh, Mr. So. And then they come and say, now where's mine? Where's mine? I said, and I looked at their attendance. And I said, you see here? I've been taking attendance. And you weren't here for the second class. You got to go to a makeup class. Makeup? I paid for this class. I said, that's okay. Because we stated in the beginning that if you're getting the certificate, you've got to be reliable and actually attend all the classes. And so after they know that I will not be moved, <laughs> they call my sister. And they give her a whole lot. Now, you know, if I can't be moved, she ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I, call, I call her nowhere Jackie. Ain't going nowhere. <laughs> ain't, go, ain't going nowhere. Because I can test reliability. You can test it. Um, could it be that God is testing your reliability? Some, sometimes he's going to just see if you can just stick with it. It, it, it just, sometimes life is hard. Is it not? Could I get a witness out there? You all right? Sometimes your job is hard. And some tests are just simply to see can you stick, just stick with it? Don't, don't, don't throw in the towel because it's a hard day. Well, I'm going home and I'm never coming back. Well, what in the world are you ever going to accomplish in your life? I quit school at third grade. Why? The people don't like me. Just because the people don't like you, you don't quit because the people don't like you. You have to be reliable. You're trying to be a steward of what God has given to you. So, we have to be reliable, consistent over time. Or you don't hear what I'm saying. That's how you, what you get credit for. Anybody know what I mean, credit? All right? The reason why people have bad credit because they're not consistent paying the bill. 
the number one reason the credit score goes down because your payment history says you don't pay consistently. You borrow often, but you don't pay consistently. So the reason why you can't get more, because you're not consistent. That's in the credit world. Well, I'm getting a house. Pray, look, not if you're inconsistent. Oh, the Lord, I'm going to believe, Lord, for a house. Oh, thank you. Well, what, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you have any credit? No, I, no, what? I haven't paid a bill in six years. Oh, pray the Lord. Ooh, I'm free indeed. They call me up and I don't answer. I tell them the Lord pays it all. Okay, all right, got you. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Now you know why the door shut. And we think that these principles that we live by every day are abstract in the kingdom, and they're not. God wants you to be consistent. Tell your neighbor, be consistent. Oh, that, you said that really low. Whatever you do, be consistent. You want a consistent car, don't you? I want a car that runs when I start it, not Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Consistency. Secondly, he says wise. Wise. You got to be wise. Wise is not smart. Wise has nothing to do with intelligence. Because some people who have graduated from college and obtained, you go to yourself, wait a minute now. As my, as my parents would say, all sense is not common. Here's what wisdom is. Wisdom isn't intelligence or knowledge or even understanding. It's your ability to use these components to think and act in such a way that common sense prevails. It's, it's, it's there because you make right choices at the right time. You don't choose what you feel all the time. You choose what is right all the time. Wow. And these choices that are wise choices lead you to two things. It leads you to productivity and it brings benefit. When you're wise, your decisions are beneficial and productive. Now when I talk about this Next week and the week after, we're going to kind of take it through parables to show you the principles, okay? So you have to be wise. Everything that comes to us in this world, just because it's endorsed, doesn't mean it's the wise thing to do. And just like you know and I know, it's so hard to make decisions nowadays Because everybody is doing foolishness and calling it wise. Foolishness. Foolishness. Foolish decisions. Has anybody made a foolish decision? I'll raise my hand. I made foolish decisions. But the consequences are greater the older you get. (laughs) Come on now. I jumped off of things I shouldn't have jumped off of when I was young. You know, after a while you go, ooh, that was kind of (laughs) interesting. But I already know that I can't and should not do that because it's not wisdom. Wow. It doesn't bring any benefit. It doesn't bring any type of productivity. The older we get and the wiser we get, we should stop fooling around with things that aren't productive. Don't fool with it. You don't watch TV all day because of what productivity is there in it. (laughs) Why Netflix myself to death? Really? (laughs) Why do you want to do that? There's other productive things you could be doing, like my closet to yours, like teaching children on Sunday, like studying your Bible so you can get a word from God, like learning a skill so that you can go up in your career field. Like building relationships so you won't be by yourself. Productive. Somebody shout productive. Productive. You got to be wise so that you can be productive. God has called us to produce. 
to profit. Not P-R-O-P-H-E-T only. P-R-O-F-I-T. I don't know where we get this idea that church is a nonprofit. We let the world say, oh, it's nonprofit. Of course, in the business world, yes. It's nonprofit means tax exempt. But God wants profit. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. He's looking for servants who are profitable. You bring more than you get. You produce. You multiply. That was the command of Jesus or command of God from the, from the garden. Let me just go quicker. No, two more. Okay, you got to be faithful. Say faithful, everybody. Faithful. You got to be faithful. Everybody who has faith is not faithful. There's a difference. I can have faith to move the mountain and be totally unfaithful. I can confess a whole lot of things but be unfaithful. You know that. People do it all the time. They get married. I love you to the day I die. Oh, in sickness and health. But now you committed what you, well, you confessed what you had in your desire. But now here's where it works out. Faithfulness. The true test of love is faithfulness. I'm not faithful to my wife just because she's going to put me out and take my house. Though she would do that. I got to be faithful to her because I'm faithful. It don't matter what you do. You, you don't hear what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what she does. I got to be faithful. Or it does not do. Here's what faithfulness is. It's loyalty. It's the quality of stability. It's being dependable. It's being devoted. The, the word devoted means to completely vowed. That's what the New Testament word means. Completely vowed. It's interesting that the church in Jerusalem, it says that when the gospel was preached to them, one of the responses after Peter was preached, they, they, the church operated in several things, worship. And the Bible says that they were devoted. They were devoted. They were completely vowed to the relationships, to the teaching of God's word, to prayer and the ministry of the word. They were devoted. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They were devoted to fellowship. What has happened to the church? We are not devoted to those things anymore. Church is just another thing on the agenda. Wow. Church is just, eh, it's just on the calendar. Fellowship? Oh, no, I can't take time to do that. But that's the church. The church, the New Testament church had to be devoted to those things. You got to be loyal to them or you'll lose it. How many of you go to family reunions? Wow, one, two persons. Okay, a few of you. How many have them and you don't go? Because you know uncle going to be there. Because yeah. uncle always go to, he go to, he go to those kind of things. But here's why families disconnect. Because there's nothing that constantly helps them to build devotion. There's no, there's no kind of what I call incentive to build devotion. So when we were small, and my sister can attest to this, my parents would never allow us to eat in front of a television. Never. He said, it's time to eat. And we came to a table. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? He, you come to a table. My father sat here. My sister sat there. I, everybody had their place at the table. You ate together. 
And we live that way all the way through our adults who are children because we wanted them to be devoted to the family. Nobody had a styrofoam container <laughs> talking about, well, you know, I got my chicken today. What you going to eat? Oh, no. Everybody ate the same thing. We had conversation around the table. And so we don't do that anymore, so we don't have any devoted relationships, even in our own families. So it's, not, so it's, it's hard for us to emotionally get connected with somebody who's in our family who's sick or who needs assistance or who needs care because we never practiced any devotion. There was no need for it. Everybody had their own room. They were eating in their room with TV. They were watching. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Yes. Technology has helped us, but it totally is destroying us. This is destroying us. So everybody's on this. And my father would say, put away those machines. Didn't he say that? Put a, when I'm talking to you, I don't want no machines in here. They call them machines. Because it takes away devotion. And so now we're running faster because we got this going on, we got that going on, we got disappointment, we got that appointment, we got disappointment and that appointment and that. So there's no devotion. So it's easy to fall out of relationships. So when you get into a, an argument, I don't have to see you no more because we ain't gotten untied anyway. Are you okay? All right, are you okay? I'm just, I'm just talking, all right? I'm just talking to you. Faithfulness has to have some type of culture that we build that, that really causes us to be devoted to one another. I'll be there for you. I got friends, and I got fans. So do you. Anybody know the difference? The fans will say, oh, man, I'm going to get with you. They're fair weather. But your friends are going to say, I'm going to ride or die with you. When you got it, I'm riding. When you ain't got it, I'm riding. How many need those kind of friends? You need them. Oh, my, I ain't going to ask how many got them, but I just want to need them. We got to have faithfulness. We got to have faithfulness to the church. You got to have faithfulness. You got to have faithful members. You got to have faithful givers. You got to have faithful leaders. Not every now and then. Oh, my. All right, next one and last one. I think I'm ready to go. All right. Responsible. He says, who, who is a faithful and wise steward? They're people who are responsible. The world is looking for all those qualities. Do you know that? I didn't read off anything that the job is not looking for. They're looking for people that got wisdom, right? You, you know, you got really gifted people, but they ain't got no common sense. Did you not know you shouldn't have pulled that button? <laughs> didn't I tell you what would happen? Well, you know, I thought. Responsible. Okay, responsible. Um, Responsibility has several things that are very important to understand, but they're simple. Okay? Being responsible means this. Number one, you think before you act. You think before you act. What is this going to do if I do this? If I go on the advice of this person, where would that take me? Well, you know, I heard in the news, what news station? Because their sponsors, you know, they get money from these people who's giving them advice to give you advice. Right? It's all money. They don't even believe in it, but they're going to peddle it to you. 
You got to think before you act. You got to think before you act. Number two, you got to think how your actions are going to affect others. If I do this, what's the impact on everybody who's connected to me? If I fall into sin, what's the impact for the church? Because some of y'all say, oh, I'm done. (laughs) I'm out. What's the impact on the church? If you spend all your money, what's the impact on your family? If you don't stay healthy, what's the impact? It's not just you. But guess what? My wife is going to have a burden. Now, that doesn't mean nobody's going to get sick. I don't think anybody intentionally wants to do that. But the reason i got to be a good steward of my body, because I don't want to be a burden on her. When I should be working, I can't, because I never took care of my body. I never rested. I never took care of myself. So it impacted everybody who cares for me. I can't be at church to preach anymore or teach anymore. Some of you say, thank goodness. But, <laughs> but here's, the, here's the deal. It's the truth and reality. Everything regards around stewardship. Now, you've got to think before you act, but you've got to think before you speak. That's number three. Think before you speak. Say these words, what I say matters. What I say matters. What I say matters. What you say matters. And what you don't say matters. Think before you speak. Number three, take responsibility for the results of what you do. You got, it, it means responsibility is me taking responsibility for the results of what we do and don't do. Meaning, if I do something, it's not just I had good intentions, but I'm responsible for the results. I didn't sh- if I don't show up to do my job, what is going to be the result of that and the impact of that on the employees of the company? But we don't care. We don't care. I got paid anyway. That's not what Christians do. Not real Christians. We, we're responsible, say, for the results. The results. If it failed, it was my fault. If it succeeded, praise God. How many know there's a lot of people that say it failed, so it's your fault? See, it's easy for me to blame failure on someone else. But if you're a good steward, you've got to take responsibility for the results. The A or B or C or D or F that you got in class is not all the teacher's fault. You don't hear what I'm saying? Because I had some terrible teachers that I had to work through. I had some good teachers that I had to work through. And sometimes I had really good teachers, Brother Ron, but I was fooling around. And I was like, well, you know, can you, do you got a sliding scale? Did you got a sliding scale? Tell, tell me what the sliding scale is. Tell me what I really need to just get by. Because I didn't want to be responsible for my result. You got to be responsible for the result. If this church goes down, don't tell, don't don't look around here. Look at yourself. What did you do, or what didn't you do? Because you're responsible for that result. If your family fails, what was the result? Is on on your shoulders too. Oh my. Number five, you got to fix your mistakes. That's responsibility. You fix what's wrong. You don't say, well, I want to get to the bottom of this. Now you get to the bottom. <laughs> are you going to fix it? Are you going to fix it? What, what are you going to do? You're going to stay there just saying, you know, there's a problem? Are you, are you going to fix it? A relationship has not come together the way it should. Are you, what are you going to do to fix it? Your credit don't get right by saying it ain't right. It gets, but you got to fix it. 
And there's a lot of people that don't want to fix it. They want you to fix it. I refuse to fix people's problems that they can fix themselves. I refuse. Because you'll never learn how to what? Be responsible. Oh, my. Clean up your own mess. (laughs) Clean up your own mess. I had a mother that was interesting. Because she, 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 she got to a point where she says, there's too many all in here and you don't have a maid in this house. There's nobody a maid in this house. You don't got a short order cook. And she would say that, I'm not a short order cook. So all of us had to learn basic skills. Cooking, cleaning, washing, iron. If you were guests in the house, you had to learn. Cooking, cleaning, washing, ironing. So all my friends that would come to the house, what are we going to eat, man? I said, what you cooking? <laughs> now, some of you know my house is getting done, and I'm not living in my house right now. I'm living at what I call the ward compound. <laughs> Called Sharon's, Sharon's house. <laughs> We got, how many people we got up in there? Five. Five of us up in there. Five, five. Brother Ron, five up in there. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. There's a lot of room, but there's five of us up in there, plus a cat. (laughs) We all up in there. We all up in there. Now, all of us, we eat at different times, and we eat different stuff. We all eat different stuff. It's crazy. It's, we all eat you wind up, no, I don't eat that. No, no, no I don't eat that. And, and then Jackie comes over and says, no, I can't eat none of y'all food. <laughs> she don't eat none of our food. She just come over with a bag. It's like, <laughs> she come over with a bag. And it looks like we're all crazy. It looks like we're all crazy. But in our craziness, there is order. And the order is this. When you eat whatever you're going to eat and whatever you're going to fix, you don't leave a dish for anybody to pick up. Because you're going to get the rash. Do not leave your dishes in the sink. Come on now. Do, do, Do not leave your clothes all over the house. You got a room? Go on up in that room, and you can do your thing. Make sure you wash your own clothes, because nobody's washing your clothes. Nobody ain't picking your drawers up and washing them. Am I okay? Am I all right? I'm just telling you about practical stuff. Everybody got to clean up their mess, because it's too much on my sister to go around and be picking up after everybody and washing everybody's dishes and washing everybody's clothes. If you are an adult, act like one. Come on now, if you're an adult. And we're all ages. I'm, I'm, I'm in there, Mark in there, Christopher's in there. He playing music and mixing in that room. And what, I mean, he's playing music in the room. I said, you can play music in the room, but don't flow over here. You can play music at night, but I'm upstairs. I got to sleep because I got to get up for work in the morning. And everybody is cool. Nobody's fighting, Sister Mary. Nobody. Because we all know how to clean up our mess. And you living by yourself. And you frustrated with what's going on in your house. (laughs) Clean up your mess. The dog is barking. He's barking. Please, please, please get up the mess. Okay, I ain't got no way to run. The yard is a mess. It's funny, but it's true. It's true. We live in clutter. And we call it God. When God is not the author of what? Confusion. 
If you're going to be a steward, you've got to keep trying. Everybody say, keep trying, keep trying. You're not going to get it right the first time. You're not. You're not, you're not going to get it right the first time. Learn, learning, learning to be a good steward is the practice of doing it consistently over and over again. I remember when I first got credit. I was a teen, I was what, probably teenager, late teenager, 18 years old. I got my first credit card. Oh, it was just joy unspeakable. It was wonderful. I was using my credit card. Brother Ron, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just having a blast. I was buying people stuff. Come on over here, man, we got some food. I mean, I was just having a great time. And I remember I had a credit score that was, I would call, below sea level. <laughs> and I tried to get a car. I wanted a car. I wanted my first car. My family gave me a car, and it was nice, but it was a big you know, one of those big old cars. I, could, I want a real nice car. So I went to get credit, and I went to the, they looked at my credit, and the man looked at me and said, can't, we can't give you a car. You can't give you a loan. Your credit score is too low. He, he was embarrassed to tell me what it was. <laughs> he just said, you know, can't get it. So I went home, and I told my sister, I said, I need a car. I need a car. She said, okay, I'll help you. You're, poor, you're in a poor situation right now. I help you. So she co-signed for my car. Now, before you say, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, she, she co-signed for my first car. It was, a, it was an Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. Green. Nice. It was jade green. Jade green. Beautiful car. But I couldn't get it with my credit, so she, she co-signed. But what happened was I still didn't fix my problem because I needed more stuff as I went along. Right? I tried to get an apartment. No, credit bad. So I said, Lord, I know you can make a way for me. I'm going to have people praying for me. Woo, come on, let's pray. And I kept praying, I kept praying, I kept praying. And God said, "Um, let me answer your prayer. I'm going to send you to a class. (laughs) It's called a credit class. And I want you to learn the principles of credit because you're in a mess. And I can't bless you in a mess unless you determine to fix your mess. And so I had to learn the difference between credits, debits. I had to learn how to read a credit report. I had to learn to stop spending my money crazy so my credit could get right, and so I could release this poor lady from her indebtedness over my stuff that she wasn't driving. And I had to learn that I, as I worked through the process, I failed sometimes. Brother Ron, I just had to have, I just had to have that new stereo. And I went forward two, and I went backwards three but I kept trying. I kept trying. And because I kept trying, I got out of debt. You don't hear what I'm talking about. Got out of debt. Then I figured out, because I got out of debt, I could buy a house. Then I can figure out that I could finance my own education. And what I'm saying to you, there were areas in our lives where we are not practicing good stewardship or we tried and we failed, and the tendency is to go back and stay in your position and say, it's not going to work out for me. 
But I'm saying to you right now, if you keep trying, tell somebody, keep trying. Just keep trying. Keep trying. Keep trying. You've got to keep trying. Stewards don't give up because they failed the first time. Because the Bible says that a righteous man will fall down seven times. Why did they fall down seven times? Because they kept getting back after the first time, after the second time. God is calling for people who are tenacious in their stewardship. All right, you didn't go to the gym and you paid a whole year and never went. Somebody said, don't talk about me. (laughs) You paid for a gym membership that you never go to. You can either, well, I'm going to cut the gym membership, or you can say, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to get in there, I'm going to work. I'm going to get in there, I'm going to try. I don't know, but I'm going to get in there and try. I'm not going to wait to the New Year's resolution. I'm going to get in there and try on Monday. And God is calling all of us to understand and know that he is saying, if you just try, oh, my God. If you just try, if you just try, if you just keep pushing, if you keep going forward, if you keep trying to say, God, I know it's for me. I know this is for me. God will bless you and he will multiply your efforts. Oh, I hear that word today. God wants to multiply somebody in this house this morning. Let's stand and we're going to pray. Maybe you're here today and you're somewhere along in your area of stewardship, you just stop trying. Maybe you say, I'm not really reliable like I should be. That doesn't mean you give up trying to be reliable. Maybe I'm not as dependable as I ought to be because I'm inconsistent, I'm here and there, but that doesn't mean you give up trying to be dependable. You keep trying. You keep trying. You keep trying. I wasn't able to beat the the, the addiction, but you got to keep trying. I didn't beat it the first time, but you got to keep trying. Prayer's a struggle for me, Pastor. I I seem to jump on the prayer call. But then I go back to nothing. I said, keep trying. Just keep trying. Just keep trying. I want to call people that says, you know, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. You're resolved in your heart that you're not going to quit. You're not going to go, in, you're not going to go lazy because Jesus is coming. He's looking for you. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking for diligent people. The Bible says, that he's the rewarder to those that diligently seek after him. You did, you, you know, everybody falls down. Everybody does. Everybody does. Everybody does. I fall down. I fell down so many times. I can't even tell you how many times. My knees are all scarred up. But I'm not going to quit, Sister Dunn. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit preaching. I'm not going to quit preaching. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit doing what God called me to do. I'm not going to quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Try again. It didn't work. That's okay. It didn't work. It's okay. It didn't work the first time. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. God is saying, look, I'm looking for hearts, not just did you perform without flaws. God, where would we be if we just if we just kept trying? Where would we be if we just kept trying? Lord, I pray that you'll heal us from the spirit of dropout. Deliver us from the dropout spirit. Deliver us from that spirit. Lord, deliver us from a spirit that just says, I quit. I, I just, i given up on it. I don't, I don't know if it's going to work for me, God. I don't know. God, I keep making dumb decisions, foolish decisions, and and I don't know if I can make a decision for myself anymore. I'll just let life go by and not do anything. 
And the Lord says, keep trying, keep trying. Lydia, keep trying. Lydia, keep trying. Lydia, keep trying. Sister Dunn, keep trying. Gary, keep trying. Keep trying. Keep trying. James, keep trying. James, keep trying. The business may not be what you thought it was, but keep trying. Relationship may go under and it seems like it's not going to go well, but keep trying. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the Holy Ghost that encourages us. In moments, Lord, where we want to quit, where we want to give up, where we want to say, Lord, I don't know if this is worth it anymore. I just, Lord God, I just thank you right now that even in the midst of very difficult situations, God, you know every desire, every heart today. You know every person that stands at this throne, at this sacred place today. I pray in the name of Jesus that God, that you would just infuse in them. A father of inspiration, a father, oh God, revelation, power, oh God, to even pursue the greater things, God, because God, you have more for us. You have more for us. You have more for us, God. You have more for me, God. And so, Father, therefore, we try again. So thank you, Father, that we'll fix what needs to be fixed. We'll take responsibility to clean up our own mess. We'll be mindful, Lord, about how we speak and how we act. Teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. So, Lord, let the Holy Spirit rule and abide. Let the kingdom of God come in our lives, Lord, to such a way that our stewardship will take on such a degree where, God, we are ready for you to come at any time, any time. Thank you. We praise you. We honor you for pouring into us the qualities that we need to be faithful stewards. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and just pray, worship him right now? Just worship him right now. Just in your own words, just worship him. Just worship him. Just worship him. God's going to begin to speak to you about specific areas as you worship him. As you worship him, he's going to say this area, that area. He's going to give you strategies. He's going to give you some things that he wants you to do right away. He's going to begin to download some things in your spirit. He's going to single out and say, all right, here's an area that you need to fix. Here's an area that you need some cleaning. Here's an area by which you need to have reliability and some dependability and to begin to have some structure and have some stability in your life. Here's an area by which I'm calling you to actually pursue and to be go, go into with a sense of confidence and try again. He's going to begin to speak. If you worship him this morning, just worship him. Come on, let's push in worship this morning. Come on, let's just do a little pushing in worship. Come on, let's give the Lord some worship and let's give him some praise and let's give him some glory. Father, we give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. 